When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to AFL Nation. It's a Friday night doubleheader to get round nine underway and it begins at the MCG with two teams who have met in many a big occasion in recent season. Richmond and Geelong. They have history against each other. They probably played the best home and away game last season. So regardless of form or ladder position, they do rise to each other, the Tigers and the Cats. And it starts at the rather social time of 7.20pm to open the way for what happens in Perth later on where it is West Coast and Gold Coast. The Tigers in a fascinating stage. They're just trying to claw on and the Cats have a massive absentee. So we'll see how it unfolds at the MCG tonight. Welcome to AFL Nation for Elders. Win the ultimate grand final weekend by opening an Elders prepayment account and for tyre power, get the power and tackle Road safety. Jared, waiting with you. Jared Healy is with me. Hello, Jared. What a week it was, Jared. Uh, we're lucky to be here. The game almost uh, went under during the week, if you listen to the extreme views, but uh, it survived. Uh, now, the stadium was under uh, scrutiny this afternoon. That looks like it's going to survive. But the biggest, most important thing here tonight, and there's every chance there could be an upset, is that the Tiger fans and the Cats fans get here for the opening bounce. We've worked hard for a 7.20 start on Friday night, and we don't want our good work to go under because uh, people don't turn up. And uh, what a game it is, as you rightly said. Great history between these two clubs. And there's just a sense that uh, if the Tigers are going to be anything this year, we're going to see it tonight. Mm, mm. So we need everybody here in big numbers. Yep. We need you in your seats at 7.20. We don't want stories of people stuck outside of nope. the opening nope. siren. And we need thumping good radio and television ratings to go with it. One with a lot. One with the absolute lot, uh, with pickles on the top. Uh, AFLW Premiership Captain Ellie Blackburn is with us tonight. Hello to you, Ellie. Good evening, guys. Good to be here. Looking forward to it? I am looking forward to it. It was a cracking contest between these two sides last season, so hopefully we can get a similar game this evening. I reckon you were on duty that day, Dwayne, weren't you? It was a twilight Saturday from memory. It was, and uh, it was one of the games of the season, and uh, Henry's mark in the goal square just to finish it all off. It was a fantastic game, and 
I'm with you on the crowd. The trouble is there's no trains coming in from Frankston Way. Mm. You have to get the bus at the interchange and get the bus in. So that'll delay everyone coming from that direction. And there's an accident on the Westgate again. So all the Geelong traffic, they'll be delayed. So there'll be a lot of people arriving at 7.50. Give us the handicap, Dwayne, if that's the case. If we're looking for some sort of reason, can we get a 10% handicap, yeah, 15%? You gotta, oh, 15% for okay. sure. The trains have got to... I mean, as much as we joke, the trains in the Westgate do have to be yep. an impediment. So you would think once they get these uh, crossings fixed... I shouldn't get into the pol- political realm, but once they get the crossings fixed and when the Westgate's all done, then uh, maybe it's going to be smooth sailing for everyone to get to the G and... Just have to sort the parking out then. We'll get all those cars into the city, Dwayne, and uh, run straight into one lanes uh, because of the bike lanes. But anyway, that's uh, that's just a different story. We digress. Let's start inside the Cats camp. Uh, One member of the coaching staff, Daisy Pearce, great friend of ours on AFL Nation, joins us. Daisy, great to have you on board. Hi, Gerrards and Dwayne and G'day Blackers. How are you going? Good, mate. Good to hear from you. How are you going? How's the new role? How are you fitting in uh, the Cats? Oh, it's been a whirlwind. I've started a couple of weeks out from round one, so big learning curve and uh, learning a lot, but thoroughly enjoying it. It's been a big challenge, but I feel like I've landed in a great place and to you know get in here and learn from such a successful organisation and the coaches that I've now got as mentors. It's a, a pretty special opportunity that I pinch myself every day and enjoying every bit. Give us a bit of a snapshot, Daisy, of what a, what a week for you around Geelong looks like. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm doing a bit in development with the first to third year boys, um, but then also match day, I, I had, I've just done a block with Nigel Lappin and the forwards, um, just chipping in with little projects that I can help him with and learn off him with, but now um, more recently I've jumped across to the backs and working alongside James Kelly, so... Oh, 90% of it is observation and learning and I, I hope that for as, as long as I'm a coach and hopefully that's a long time that that, that remains the case and the other 10% is where I can contribute in small ways but I'm very early in my coaching journey and just enjoying the opportunity as I said to get in here and soak up everything I can uh, from the, the organisation but the coaches and the, the senior players as well so it's, it's been great but I'm in there about three days a week um, yeah, out on the track doing my bit, sitting and doing vision as I said learning more than I'm probably teaching at this stage but yeah just enjoying the challenge. Is it true that from time to time if we peeked inside we might see you out on the track during a drill or two? <laughs> yes, yes I, um, I was a bit nervous to take the, the yellow bib early days because I didn't want to stuff anything up but then I've worked out pretty quickly that it's hard to motivate yourself to get exercise when no one's telling you you have to. So I grabbed the bib at every opportunity because it might be the only chance I get to go for a run. So now I got in and I've had a turnover or two. So my confidence is building week week on week and (laughs) you find me out there every now and then. But no, the boys have been great, very um, welcoming and receptive and just a good place to come to work every day. Good to have you on board, Daisy. Tell me about the difference between MFC and Geelong Football Club. Oh, there are a lot of differences. Um, I guess my experience at Melbourne was in the women's program as well, which has a lot of obvious differences in terms of the full-time nature of the program and even something little like um, the length of our season, which Blackie would know, you know, a 10-round home and away season and then finals, if you're lucky, it's short and intense. So um, someone coming from from that experience as a player to Geelong where we went 0-3, I was pretty edgy thinking, come on, boys, we've got to get going. You lose three games in an AFLW season, it's almost season over and you're starting to plan for next year. So, yeah, just learning that the rhythms of a, a men's program are very different. They're full-time. Um, they come in every day of their lives just about and the season is long. Like, 
24 rounds this year and, and then deep into finals, if lucky, um, and as the Cats have done so many times. So it's a bit more of a, a steady approach and, yeah, that was take that took a lot of adjusting too. But I was very lucky as a player to um, learn off and, and be a part of the Melbourne Footy Club as well. But I think every team just has slightly different identity. I mean, the characters at Melbourne create a different energy in itself. People like Christian Petrarca and Max Gorn and that kind of thing set a, set a tone, whereas at Geelong it's a bit more of a mellow and experienced um, playing group. But, yeah, just little subtle differences like that. But I think the big, biggest ones is just the full-time nature of the program and the difference that creates is the biggest thing that I've adjusted to. And Days, obviously, speaking of the slow start from the Cats this season, they're obviously up and about now. Talk to the form and, and how they've come to it over the coming weeks. Yeah, well, that was the really interesting thing. I, th I think as I touched on, I was the one that it was a bit like, you know, internally more than anything, thinking, oh, what do, what do we have to do? But the, the impressive thing was, and I think um, because they, they are an organisation that have been together and had stability and had recent success, they kind of just held their line and didn't change much at all. But they're kind of confident in the things that they needed to address and work on and also confident that it was coming. So it was a pretty similar place um, even back then to it is today but I think the biggest things was just um, a lot of change I guess you know it wasn't long ago that they were very successful towards the end of last year but a few key moving parts that were out of the side early in in the year and a couple of young faces coming in with Tanner Bruin and Ollie Henry guys like that that were new to the system I think all of that just took time and um, yeah I think they've now really gotten back to what they know their best footy is built off, but yeah, the, the actual dynamic and vibe in the club didn't change much at all, which was a, a good learning experience for me. No Selwood, which uh, we've sort of been forced to get used to. No Dangerfield out of the middle, no Guthrie. I mean, we come to the MCG, Daisy, thinking that uh, if, if Richmond are going to really make a stand this year, they're going to make it tonight. And I suspect that would be almost impossible to avoid that view down at Geelong in the pre-match. Yeah, absolutely. Very aware of the threats in there for the Tigers and it's been um, a strong area of their game for a long time and, you know, um, even this year they've been able to play some really powerful patches of footy and a lot of the time it's come from their midfield and, of course, you'd like to have those names that you rattled off out there tonight but the, the great thing we've seen throughout the season with the injury is the opportunities it's created for guys like um, Max Holmes and Tom Atkins, Tanner Bruin, um, to be able to really step up and take responsibility in there and we saw that was one of the most pleasing things about last week that when that happened in game with Pat going down and he was playing um, really well and as he has all year for them to be able to just hold their nerve and do their jobs it was pretty good so we're looking forward to seeing them get that same opportunity tonight from the get-go but well supported as well by people like Mark Blitzarves who you know, you, you rate him as a really competent player in the competition, but I, I think until you get it, I've gotten in here and really seen him up close and the amount of work he shoulders, he's a very important player to the Geelong system and I think they'll all stand taller with him still in that midfield as well. And one player you haven't mentioned in that lot of, of absolute stars days is, is Jeremy Cameron and the form of him. Obviously, again, last week, he was dominant up forward and, and one thing I've observed and I think the wider footy community has, is his work rate and his ability to get up and down the ground and then be so dangerous inside 50. Yeah, he's amazing, Al. Um, pleasure to watch again up close. And, you know, you touched on his ability and his 
um, football skill, but you know, to, to complement that, as you said, he's an incredible athlete. He works really hard and he's really selfless as well, as are a lot of those forwards. And I think, you know, if you if you ask Jeremy, he'd probably attribute it to the work that some of the other unheralded guys do as well. People like Brad Close, who will be missing an important out tonight, but Grian Myers, um, Sam Simpson's come in and played the role as well. The, the role of those running forwards that get up and down the ground to allow Jeremy to play to his strengths um, certainly enable him to have those big moments that he does. Now, Daisy, Chris Scott always tells us uh, who's going to be playing on who, so uh, he's obviously <laughs> giving you that responsibility. I'm not that silly, Healy. <laughs> Gee, Don't get me sacked. I'm only, what, three months into Big my job. Big deal, uh, give me the, a nice old round to the kitchen if, if we do. But sure, you must be concerned that Shy Bolton looks like he's got his uh, best form back in with inside after a uh, career-high 31 disposals last round after a pretty poor start to the season. And, and Dusty mustn't be far away as well. Does Mark O'Connor go to either of those guys or is he still the cooler you just bring off the uh, the bench or from the back line if need be? Well, as Scotty would say, I'm sure Mark O'Connor will go to him at times. Right, okay. <laughs> You're learning um, But well. it'll be a team job. You're learning well. <laughs> no, I think you'll see that at different stages throughout the night. As you said, he plays a bit of forward and midfield. So, um, yeah, I don't think it'll be something where he goes with him everywhere, but depending on where he's playing, you'll see... A bit of Mark O'Connor, but I think one of the, again, the impressive things throughout the year is the way that they've taken on, that on as a, a midfield group, those roles and those really dangerous players. Um, yeah, M Mark O'Connor at times, his job, but when it's not Mark, the other guy's chipping in and make sure he doesn't get into a little hot patch while Mark's off or in, playing in a different position. So, yeah, they'll, they'll share it around, but certainly a threat. Have you been doing much work with Jai Clark, Daisy, and you, you work with the first to third year players? A little bit here and there, but because he's in that midfield group, I've sort of missed him and hopefully I get my chance in there towards the end of the year. But what I have seen, he's an impressive young man and just um, the ultimate competitor and professional. So, you know, regardless of what happens tonight and um, how his debut goes, I, I think, yeah, he's going to be a good player for the Cats for a long time. He's a, a hard worker and really tenacious, um, wants to be his best. So he's got a lot of great football qualities and then a great attitude as well. So just can't wait. Everyone's really excited to see him get his opportunity tonight. And how many of the AFLW players, Daisy, you get a chance to see inside a men's system? You mentioned the difference between Geelong and Melbourne in terms of their men's systems. What a what about the differences between the women's system and the men's system? As in comparing across women's and men's or yeah. specifically at Geelong, well, um, what's the... What's yeah, the more the feedback, the uh, expectation process. Uh, yeah, the, the delivering of information to players from coaches as to how to get better. Um, training systems as well. What's the difference? What would you take or what will you take back to the women's system now you've been looking at the men's system a bit? Yeah, well, it's been um, quite, to no surprise and quite reassuring just that, you know, I came out of a successful system at Melbourne um, and well coached by Mick Stanier and, you know, my feedback to the, the girls that are playing at Melbourne still that are good, still good friends is that it's a, a top-class system that, and program that Mick's able to deliver, him and his team, because, um, you know, he's a, a hard worker. I think the biggest difference is just the time challenge and the, the limited amount of time that you have. You have to be a bit creative outside of the actual contact hours at the club, but... Uh, the, the nuts and bolts of what's delivered at AFL level, I feel like, um, are getting done in, in my experience at, at Melbourne. And then even observing the women's program at the Cats, who are quite really well in integrated into the program. We share the facility. There's a lot of um, organic comings and goings and crossover between the two programs. It's a, 
it's a pretty um, good program that Dan Lowther and his team's delivering as well. So I think the biggest thing is just time and resources, um, the amount of resourcing. I mean, players, as Ali would attest to, they're putting in the time um, and often the the staff around them, physios, um, strength and conditioning staff, that kind of thing, aren't full-time across the 12 months of the year. So that that's where the challenge lies. You sort of having to make it up on your own a little bit and get a bit creative. But, um, yeah, I think the... The bones are there, it's just um, adding to the resourcing that, that happens around it and then just more time as we know, I think more development into the women's program. It's um, improved a lot over the last seven seasons but I'm pretty excited to see what the next five years looks like. Daisy, great to have you with us. Good luck for the night ahead. Thanks guys, have a good call. Daisy Pierce, one of the uh, assistant coaches down at the Cats with us on the boundary. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. So after a, a sort of a flurry of controversy for a couple of weeks, Daisy's just been able to settle and actually get on with her <laughs> coaching journey away from, uh, from whatever limelight there was between roles at one stage. Oh, yeah. That, her name was definitely in the media and out there a fair bit. And it's, I mean, it's great to see from a, a, an AFLW player's perspective, looking at what Daisy's been able to do for the game. I mean, she's been in the media. She, she's walked that and, and now being able to go into a coaching rank where there's actually a number of other AFLW players that, um, doing that exact thing. And, and it's great to see for the game. And Daisy sounds like she's enjoying it, having a bit of spare time and um, being able to have a run around with the guys at training, getting good experience for herself. So, now good to hear for, for Daisy. I think she puts them on edge when she wins the contest from time to time. <laughs> oh, that, too, would I'm uh, that would certainly <laughs> get highlighted in the locker room, as they say, Jared, if that, uh, if that happened. Uh, all right, so the trajectory of these two teams. Geelong have won five in a row. Richmond yep. broke their five-game losing streak against West Coast. We're a highly suspicious of Eagles' form. Mm. But as it turns out, there are more Richmond Premiership players on the field tonight than there are Geelong Premiership players. Yeah, I was going through the back line of uh, Richmond uh, just earlier this afternoon, and you come up with the names Broad, Grimes, Bolter, Rioli, Vlost and Baker. That's a top-shelf back line. And whilst there are a few holes in and around the rest of the area, the, the midfield... Miller and Taranto and Short, Cochin, Prestia, Hopper, Taranto, Dusty, throw in Shy Bolton. Yes, they've got no Nankervis and they've got no Lynch, but, gee, they have got a lot of good names out there, Jared. And, you know, if, they, if this is not a really strong contest right to the end by the Tigers, you'd be really concerned about uh, where they're at at this stage. They've had a good win last week, got a bit of confidence up. It's a nice warm-up, but uh, as Carlton proved uh, last week, it doesn't guarantee you anything. So, uh, But what does guarantee you something is having players of immense ability getting back to their very best. And uh, you'd be hoping that Shea Bolton is you know, pushing up for coaches' votes again tonight. And if that's the case, well then, the Tiger fans who are on their way to the ground right now are in for a, a really strong night and a competitive night. But they, and I think rather delightfully, the only way to rise is through Geelong here. So mm. if you, I just feel like if you're not more than three wins at the end of nine rounds, you're out. Yep. And so Richmond have the chance to get to three and a half and stay, I think stay vaguely in touch. But if they're two and a half after nine rounds, is even by your measures, Dwayne, which are the most generous measures, they're not making it from two and a half well, out my, of nine. My measure is rather crazy, which is that until they have to win 10 of their last nine games, Richmond is still alive. <laughs> and my reckoning, they've just got too good a list. But you're right, you can fall too far back. I, I did hear the boys on breakfast today on Fireball Friday say that, well, they said just before 8 o'clock that if Sydney lose, they're out. 
of the reckoning for finals. And then after 8 o'clock, they said if Fremantle lose, they're out of the reckoning for the finals. So in essence, we've got our first elimination final this weekend mm-hmm. between Fremantle and Sydney, which is probably not far off the mark. It is getting to that stage. Well, we've seen clubs uh, fall out of finals contention even last year when they're 8-3. and three. So there's no guarantees the other way as well. I think Sydney, when they won their premiership, may have started something like uh, three and five, or it was in that vicinity. So you can you can turn it around, but uh, you know you only have to look at the difficulties, Ellie, that uh, Port Adelaide had last year when they dropped their first five, and they played really good footy henceforth. But you get an injury, you lose a close one, a little bit of an unlucky umpiring decision. It's hard to make it from there. Oh, it really is, and 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 I mean, you as a as a team, you want to get off to a, a good start and have a really strong patches throughout the season, and and that layer of consistency going into finals. You you don't want to sort of just reach the line. You want to get there playing good footy and and playing really strong, consistent footy, and knowing that you've worked hard mm. throughout the entire year. And and I think from a Richmond point of view, I mean, I, I agree in in regards to that tonight's a really important opportunity for them. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a big occasion, big game here on on a Friday night for them to win and, and really sort of make a, make a way moving forward into the remainder of the season. Richmond did win their last nine games to make the finals a few years ago and lost the elimination finals, mm. didn't they, from memory? Jared, you've got a better memory. Oh, lost the elimination final at Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval. Oh, and the... the wasn't it the, the Father's Day Massacre? That the was the one. There was the Trent Cotchin kick against the Breeze That's in the it. opening quarter. Game, yes. Um, they, they came from a long way back to win one of their premierships, I think 2020 as well. But two and a half out of nine is, is yeah. that that would be that would be too far back, I feel. So uh, I, the, I, this is an occasion that they'll rise to. They'll rise to it for all sorts of reasons. The, the animosity between the two teams is very real. Yeah. How can it not be when they've played in so many big games? Yep. There are incidents along the way, and the Prestia one is clearly highlighted yeah. this week. It's his milestone game. The crowd reaction to Tom Stewart is really obviously going to be there, despite the, the pleas for it not to be. That's going to be a big part of the pantomime tonight. Is I just feel like this will be this will hit the heights, I reckon. I'll be disappointed if it doesn't. Yeah, I'd be exactly the same, Jared. I mean, the Tigers, it's now or never. It is basically an elimination final for them, and uh, as you said, there's, there's so much uh, recent history between these two groups and they're gettable Geelong they're definitely gettable tonight they've got some holes in their side as well Uh, they've got some players in great form we know that so that's why you'd be walking away here if this is a boring game you'd be walking away thinking well that was a waste of time this should be a cracker (laughs) it should be and and I mean off the back of the likes of Hopper and Taranto's games last week as well I mean they had 32 and 30 disposals 10 clearances each so they're getting plenty of footy around that midfield as well and, and you add in Bolton to that mix as well I mean they've got plenty of, of talent in there and, and with the outs from a Geelong perspective as well you'd expect those guys to mm. to go to work tonight. Dangerfield's absence so how does Geelong go without him he's been the driving force on there They've plotted their way back to form. Jeremy Cameron was in great form while they were losing. It's Dangerfield who sort of started to impose himself and yep. and really muscle his way. And, and so the, the hamstring is untimely, to say the least, for mm. him and for them. Yeah, well, he was uh, working his way through to another. I think it'd be a record nine All-Australians. I mean, and this is coming off a poor start. He was uh, pretty poor the first two or three rounds, but he's been absolutely brilliant since. But it's a real opportunity. I mean... Parfit was uh, a late inclusion into the premiership side. He's uh, struggled to get a game this year. He gets a game tonight. Holmes, we know all about him. Danger uh, says he can has got Judd-like qualities, and he is showing those Judd-like qualities. So this will be an opportunity. 
Atkins also started really slowly this year, so he gets a chance. They may have to put Duncan through the middle of the ground just to uh, bolster that at some stage. Bruin gets another opportunity. He's been pushed back to the twos, and it's going to be an up-and-down process for him, but he has got plenty of talent. And then you've got the old stager, and he's, he's, he's not that young anymore, but uh, Blitzarves continues to uh, be a phenomenal player in the middle. He's, he's most unusual. You know, we think uh, we thought the Cooter was a big midfielder. This bloke's uh, got a couple of inches on him, and uh, he can probably outrun most players out on the deck. And whilst he hasn't got the most silky skills, he, he doesn't lack in that department. So it's a real challenge for them. And another question mark tonight is, I think, on uh, Trent Cochin. You know, one of the uh, the, the uh, storied careers of uh, this century. <clears throat> And yet it is coming to an end, and it's coming to an end rapidly. But if he's got uh, anything left in the tank, I think you're going to see it tonight. And he's not far off 300 games as well, Trent Cochin too. So, I mean, from a Richmond perspective, are they hoping he gets there? Are they keeping him in like that sub-type role? Mm. Does that assist him in, in getting to those 300 games as well? Uh, he'll get to the 300. I'd be surprised if he's a sub tonight. I think they've given him a couple of weeks rest. And they're going to throw him out. Let's just see what uh, what he's got left in that uh, locker. So the teams are in there unchanged. And the Clarks are the subs. Judson Clark is the sub for the Tigers. And Jai Clark is the sub What's for the bonus? Cats. Yes, so uh, Jai makes his debut as the sub for the Cats. Uh, and Judson Clark's playing game number 10. So a couple of youngsters on that front. It's Richmond and Geelong at 20 past seven local time. And West Coast and Gold Coast, which is uh, 20 to nine on the East Coast. Uh, and so that makes it, what, 20 to seven. Seven in Perth. The pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for Tylers. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian Agriculture and Repco Authorised Service. Richmond and Geelong, the start of a doubleheader on Friday night to be followed by West Coast and Gold Coast. Our Friday night presenting partner at AFL Nation is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service and the TAC. Please reply quickly to texting drivers TAC. Jared Waitley, Dwayne Russell, Jared Healy, Ali Blackburn with us. It's been probably the most jam-packed issues week of the season thus far. Ali, you're our current day player. How did you take in the Jacob Van Royen suspension appeal and ultimately set free? I reckon I changed my mind on it several times throughout the week and it depends who you listen to and what you listen to. As a result of it all, obviously, I mean, no, having no eyes for the footy and, and just purely looking towards the player and then sort of hitting the player essentially with it, I mean, it's it's not ideal. I, I feel like if he if he turned his body a little bit more and sort of wasn't making direct eye contact, probably would have been a, a better move from him and, and probably a smarter decision, a more footy sort of, as, as you were talking off air earlier, a more experienced decision as a result of it all. But, I mean, it's blown up. A fair bit, hasn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a hard one to pick apart and, and to know what's sort of right and wrong as a result of it. It's a popular outcome, Jared. Is it all prob- is it at all problematic as an outcome? Well, I had a good chat to Adrian Anderson about this, uh, who was the defence lawyer um, for Van Royen uh, only about an hour ago. And it was really enlightening just talking to and him. He wrote the rules as well, part of this ruling. 
as well when he yeah. was with the AFL. Yeah. So he's seen it from both sides. And his view was if you, if you just read the rules, then uh, there is, there is uh, no reason to suspend him. And, you know, I sort of came to that conclusion myself, but only because of the outcome. Now, I asked him what would you do if he was concussed, and he said, well, if it was exactly the same and the tribunal accepted that all he was doing was, was attempting to spoil, well, then there'd be no problems. It's like if you're the marking player and you knock out uh, somebody else in the pack. Um, incidental contact allows you to create some damage. But if there is any doubt about the swinging arm, well, then you're going to get two weeks if that result is there. So I asked him, do you think we need to clarify the rule? And he said, no, I don't think we do. It doesn't happen often enough, and I think we're smart enough to know and determine whether or not a person's trying to give somebody an ear massage on the way through as well as hit the ball. So oh, it was really enlightening, and I think we got the right decision. I, I don't think we need to clarify the rule based on uh, the discussion I had with uh, Adrian Anderson. But I do think if he was concussed, then... I think he'd be in trouble. Yeah, I think it would have been hard to... So the, the legal definitions in it play a massive role. It would have been hard to get incidental contact to fly mm. if Ballard had been concussed. Yeah. So I, it's not the strictest interpretation of it, but uh, I don't think you would have been able to get a jury to agree that that was incidental rather than forceful, and I don't think it would have got overturned at appeals. Yeah. Th- there are moments where the, the, fo- the football, I know it's all governed by the laws, mm. but there are just moments where looking at it, you go, so I oh, look at, people were saying this is the same as Maynard. You go, no, 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 no. Maynard just gave him a free hit along yeah. the way and served two weeks quite rightly. And this was sort of a reaching spoil yeah. that had no, uh, it, 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 I don't know whether it was careless or not, but as soon as he made contact, he pulled his arm away. He wasn't trying to hit Ballard. No, I agree with that. In fact, I reckon you could see from the angles on the TV, he almost lifted his arm up uh, so the impact wasn't as severe as it could have been. But uh, had it been severe, well, you can argue striking or you could also argue rough play. And I I, I go back to uh, unduly rough play in the circumstances. And if you concuss him, well, you're probably going to be guilty of unduly rough play. But I go back to that uh, famous case between uh, David Mackay from... Uh, Adelaide, Adelaide Crows, and uh, who was it from St Kilda? Was it Hunter Clark? Hunter Clark. So they're both going for the ball. Uh, you see uh, Mackay's hands 12 inches away from the ball when he realises there is going to be contact. Hunter Clark doesn't realise there's going to be contact. He turns his body and he protects himself. Hunter Clark gets KO'd, I think, for memory. And it was, it was a really strong week of debate I remember, uh, I think you went overtime on 360 waiting for the, the outcome. And in many ways, if you are going for the ball, I think incidental contact does happen. And if you turn your body to protect yourself, but you're still going for the ball, well, the laws allow you to do that. But if you do the, the old massage, and I, I must admit I thought about Spud Frawley many times this week, if you're doing the ear massage in a spoiling, in a spoiling action... And, uh, you, yes, you're trying to hit the ball, but you're trying to make him earn it, so to speak. Well, And he gets concussed. Well, you're going out for a couple of weeks. It is one of those rare ones, Dwayne. Maybe, maybe two a year, sometimes only one a year, that everybody feels they've got skin in the game mm. on. Yeah, and whether players now make that adjustment, I better make sure that there's no doubt that I'm going for the ball now. There's not, there's not any room for a thought that maybe he was trying to take the body or you're trying to take the body and if you accidentally get the head on the way through, even though you got the ball, if there is any chance that you're after the body 
and the ball, and it might have been 60-40, you're in trouble. I think we will get one or two more, but that's the issue that the MRO does face now. He has to, anyone, any incident that is exactly the same, he has to give two weeks to. So we could go through the whole process again. I think what it did do, this decision, was it, it basically set of incidental contact that it is part and parcel of the game. So anybody trying to prosecute the the knee to the back of the head when you're attempting to take mark of the year, I think, has got a very, very long struggle yeah, no, in, in the case that. to argue. Just on the, the issue of the wording as well, though, if it happens exactly the same again, were they worded as a strike? Because that, that is a confusing way of wording it, isn't it? And you were confused by yeah, that as I, well. I, so I thought the error at the start was not to make it rough conduct because mm. it never looked like a strike to me. Mm. So it fell under different provisions, which is around incidental contact. So is he compelled to do the same again, the MRO? Um, no, I don't think so. So I would think that it, so it flows up the system and then it flows back down through the system. So I would think next time the MRO would grade that as rough conduct and try it under the different provisions of was it a reasonable way to contest the ball rather than 18.5. I reckon that's what it should have been, full stop. So so we won't get exactly the same thing, might not get exactly the same grading. uh, No, no. And I don't think it would. I think once you you run it through and it gets rolled at appeal, Mm. I think there is a – I think each layer – has to make an adjustment on the way and say, okay, so that, that's how the ultimate ruling comes back and this is how we'll make our adjustments working backwards. So I think it would be different next time around. So the Patrick Cripps case saw them rewrite the rule at the end to, to shut loopholes. What about the loophole when you get the arm wrong in the writing of the rule? Is that fair to get off on a loophole like that when... <laughs> yes, like the misidentity of which Scott brother it yeah, was back yeah. in the day. That was weird. So I was, I'm still surprised that we have such tight provisions around it that at the tribunal you can't go, well, you struck him with the left. We're simply going to adjust the charge yeah, because it's been proven that you hit him with the left. what would have happened in the old days week. when there was no written law. He just went to the tribunal and they said, oh, no, we just got yeah. that wrong. That, that, was, that was odd that Nick Newman got off on that sort of technicality. Yeah, given that the tribunal found that there was a forceful strike with the left, but he'd been charged with the right. Mm. Well, so, that's nonsense. Yeah, I would have thought. And that. I can't believe they actually followed through that. We've gone through that before, and and people have been have changed uh, changed their uh, charges. I mean, that's it was just ridiculous. Mm. And so I feel like we watched Carlton last week. We'll watch Carlton again shortly. You set us up for the the team is their house straw sticks or bricks. The club's a house of straw. And it's burning tonight. <laughs> yeah, the uh, laugh, Mickey but... Warner and. Uh, not sure who else co-wrote the article, but they've uh, Sam Landsberger. Thank you, uh, Brooksy. They have got the filleting knife out and uh, taken uh, taken to the Blues, and uh, it's a, it's a good read, and it's it's it, it highlights a number of issues for Carlton. But these are the sorts of things that they do go away quickly if you win two or three games yeah. in a row, so and that's the what whole, they desperately need to yeah. win. So the whole Richmond thing went away. After they started winning, there was the challenge. Uh, you know, Damien Harbick wasn't going to keep his job. That's right. And then we had the bang- doctor challenge. Yeah, and and the, it changed because win, 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 and then it's okay. Well, we're back on track, and the the seas are calm. So Carlton have got the cattle to calm the seas. They've got the draw to calm it. That's the hard part. They, they've got well, the they've dogs. got a tough draw. Yeah, exactly. So is Bruce, Ma- Bruce Matheson a power broker or a troublemaker? Because this, he knows that this sets the club on fire tonight ahead of Saturday night. And I'm not quite sure why, if, if you truly 
if your heart was all in it, you'd actually give them the space to see what they're going to amount to before doing And this is his regular routine. Mm. Just step in and, and, and burn the administration down. Well, he certainly lit the fuse uh, this evening, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, some really strong quotable quotes there that have uh, put Brian Cook and uh, the coach and uh, various other people uh, under the spotlight. But once again, this is uh, this is this is a and he certainly has a crack uh, big time at the the committee of which his nephew is is a part of. But uh, th- these are the things that will go away very quickly if you win and they need to. So this is so Brian Cook, Brendan Gale. This, this is why you have that figure to yep. sort of become the raging masses. I, I don't think Brian's had a week where he's been able to do that. In fact, he. He lent his voice to it. They, yep. I don't know why they wasted any energy t- trying to equivocate on finals. No, I was, just, I was surprised. I mean, I, I could understand uh, uh, where Chera was coming from, but somebody had to had to you know educate him as to these. If you get these answer these questions, and I'm sure they're doing this uh, post the uh, the bushfire at Carlton, we're always aiming for finals, and that's the bottom line. And, and then the, the whole discussion goes away. Brian Cook, there's very few better administrators in the last 30 years than Brian Cook. In fact, he may well be the best. But uh, he could have been more emphatic. He was close to being emphatic, but he still left the door open. And then no one would have mentioned it, I don't think, except uh, uh, Adam Chera really, uh, I guess, gave a different context to what he was really saying. He was just the lamb to the slaughter. Mm, I feel was. for the player who gets put up in that yeah. circumstance. The captain should have done yeah, it. Yeah, he should have done it. Um, in the week that they were having. Uh, Michael Voss said all the right things today. Yeah, he did. Is, let, let us sit the exam. Let us fit. Mm. And their defence at the moment is we're in the eight. It's a pretty good defence. We're trying to be better. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to, But we are sitting in the eight right now. That's the position we aspire for. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately for uh, for Michael, the, the, the comparison with, uh, um, with St Kilda and Ross Lyon is, is going to be stark. And, you know, having been beaten by St Kilda only a couple of weeks ago didn't help the scenario. There's, there's a strong view that uh, Carlton should have appointed Ross Lyon when they had the opportunity, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. But uh, once again, if Fossey can get two or three wins out of the next four or five games, the, uh, the house won't be burning of straw. It may be sticks, but... Uh, it is a fair way to go before it's bricks. It was already a, a big game tomorrow night, even more so now. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel. All-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Toby Nankervis is about to join us, the injured Tigers co-captain. He'll be part of our pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers. You're listening to AFL Nation for elders, for Australian agriculture and Repco authorised service. It is a rather perfect autumn night for footy at the MCG Richmond and Geelong. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service and the TAC. Please reply quickly to texting drivers TAC. One man who's not out there who would dearly love to be is the Tigers co-captain, Toby Nankervis. Toby, great to have you on AFL Nation. No, thanks for having me. It is a great night. I'll, um, yeah, sitting up here, and love to be out there. But um, yeah, hopefully the boys can get it done tonight. One of the most dreaded words in footy these days is syndesmosis. How are you going with your ankle injury? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? I've never heard, it, heard the word until I've done it. But um, yeah, I, I think hopefully next week, 
um, push, sorry, push to play, but maybe the week after, definitely. So getting close, and, um, yeah, I can't wait to get back out there. What's the progression after it? Is it a period of total rest and inaction and then progressively building? Where, where exactly are you in the flow of it? Yeah, so you have, obviously, surgery, and I was pretty slow there for a week. But um, after that, you get get moving pretty quickly out of the moon boot and walking around and um, not too not too long into running and the change direction and that stuff's the next step and big session tomorrow so hopefully I can tick a few boxes and um, yeah get going. You're in the shorts, Toby. Does that mean you're going to run home just to uh, do a little bit of uh, extra? Mate, I've had a shock. I walked over here from Punt Road. I'm yeah. freezing, so I need to go do something about that. Sitting in the stands tonight, but um, there'll be a tracksuit down yeah, below. Surely. Hopefully, someone has something for me. Yeah. Got a Geelong scarf, but I'm sure you don't want that. Um, you don't have any strapping on it, though, do you? So you're just running with it bare at the moment? Yeah, no, it's strong. So from what I understand, it's sort of stronger than before. So it's just uh, managing um, the pain now. So, yeah, hopefully I can yeah, get going next week. And, Toby, obviously now with, with being on the sidelines, what does it look like in terms of a captaincy role for you? What role do you play sort of off-field now? Yeah, I think during the week, just trying to support the players as, as much as I can. And, um, yeah, today as well, like, there's not a whole lot I can do, but just being down the rooms and having conversation with players, trying to make every, everyone feel as comfortable as they can. And, um, yeah, great great um, energy around the, the whole place. And, um, yeah, I'm sure the boys are putting in a great performance tonight. How's the, uh, the struggle been, though, this year? You've, you've, won, you've lost a lot more games than uh, you'd be used to down at the Tigers. Yeah, it has been... Yeah, really frustrating. I think um, it's just sort of haven't been consistent enough throughout the games. We've played some great patches of footy, which which I believe stacks up against anyone. But it's just the lapses in games, which we know the competition being so even, you can't afford to do. So we need to iron out a few issues, and um, we've gone to work the last um, three or four weeks as we've had to. So um, yeah, hopefully we start to see those improvements come to our game. And I still firmly believe the game, the premierships, any anyone's to be won. I think every single week. Um, yeah, sides are winning and losing. It's so even. So, um, yeah, great season to be a part of. You've got two really inexperienced ruckmen uh, in the side at the present time. Uh, Ryan plays a bit forward. Uh, Miller certainly plays ruck and can go forward. Have you had much involvement with either of the two? Yeah, I, I think um, throughout, as a, as a ruck group, I think we've done a lot of work together throughout pre-seasons and our match reviews are uh, um, sort of done together. So it's great to see those guys come in and I think they've been um, been really good and I think especially Samson Ryan to come in and every week he seems to be taking steps forward. He's, yep. he's such a, a big, um, yeah, tall guy. It's, it's, he's hard to stop when he jumps at the footy and um, he's got great skills for his size as well so I can't wait to see his confidence just keep growing. It was a good get by the Tigers and, and maybe in time it's going to be a big loss to Brisbane. He was in the Brisbane Lions Academy and uh, you plucked him with about pick 40 or thereabouts uh, and he, I, I, I'm with you, I saw him uh, out at Casey in the pre-season game and he looked pretty good uh, at Casey and uh, and looked as if uh, he's got some talent. Yeah, he does, yeah. I think he's, he's really hungry to improve. He, he's one of those guys that he's first out on track last to leave. He's, he's hungry to improve. He's he's desperate for, for feedback and where he can get better, yep. where people can help him. So he's got a great attitude and um, I'm wrapped for the way he's going at the moment. And obviously tonight, um, off the back of a cracking game last week in, in Dion Prestia, game 200, um, for him, for the meatball that you guys call him. So, I mean, a big achievement for him. Oh, that's a great achievement. And, and what he's done for us, I think probably externally doesn't get the accolades that I think he deserves. But internally, he's one of the highest rated players and um, his ability to cover the ground and um, contest to contest, he's an um, absolute A-grade player in the competition, I think. And um, he's, he's, done a, he's done a lot, three premierships. He's won a best and fairest and 
um, consistently performs at a high level, especially in the big games. So um, hopefully the boys can get it done for him. In some ways, it was unfortunate that it was against uh, it coincided against Geelong because uh, the articles in the paper uh, were you know glowing and uh, they were uh, in general in nature, and yet the focus was all on Tom Stewart. Yeah, I think yeah, Jared. My opinion is firmly that Tom Stewart's a great player, and um, the game is so fast-paced and physical that yep. accidents happen. So um, I hope the fans celebrate Dion tonight, and um, I think that, that's the most important thing. I think um, obviously it's, it's a football mistake, so it's a football action for mine. So um, it's a star player, Tom Stewart, and I'm definitely moved on pretty quick from that. Any thoughts on the Jacob Van Royen incident, the change of the game moment when it comes to focus on the ball do you think or not um, oh, my, my opinion on that is that I think that's a football action as well like he's got a split second there trying to bring the ball to ground which is important that's what he'll be coached so I think um, I'm, I'm pretty glad he got away with that so you're glad the world's still on its axis that he got <laughs> yeah, off yeah I think so yeah I think um, as I said the game's so fast paced and that's my opinion other people have different opinions but um, yeah as the coach's demeanour been? He's been uh, he's been on edge publicly. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing in the scenario that you've been facing. Yeah, Dim has been unbelievable. I think he's um, he backs his players and he backs us in. I think publicly, which I love, and he'll go to he'll go into bat for us every day of the week. And internally, he's he's really positive because, as I said, we're doing a lot a lot of things really well. It's just um, need to tidy up a few things. So Dim is really leading the way with. Um, yeah, not getting too focused on the outcome. What can we do right now? What can I do today to make um, the best chance on the weekend? So he's uh, really leading the way with that. Do you have moments where it uh, you blew him with the media again, where it causes a bit of a chuckle behind the scenes? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have a bit of laugh about it. But um, I love the way, honestly, you know, honestly, um, that he goes into bat for his, his team and his players. I think that's um, a great thing Dimmer does. How are the, the two new midfielders? And they're not new to footy, but they are new to the Tigers in Taranto and Hopper, who are the, the source of so much discussion. How have you seen them integrate in I what think, you're doing? Yeah, I think they've been unbelievable. I think um, uh, yeah, coming to a new system like those boys, it does take time, but I think those boys have really been leading the way for us. And Yeah, I, yeah so I'm, I'm sitting here with those boys thinking, I just want to get these boys... Um, Playing the way I know we, Richmond can play, so they can really experience that. And we've had they've had taste of it, but um, yeah, get a big back half of the season, hopefully for the us and them. Toby, good to see you, uh, and hopefully we'll see you if not next week, then the week after. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Good on you, Toby Nan Curvis, co-captain of the Tigers, did that ankle injury in round four, so the syndesmosis surgery that we have uh, that we've come to know, but hopefully back by. Round 11 there. Tomorrow's cars available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The other flashpoint of the week, Jared, was Alistair Clarkson's fury towards his yep. old club Hawthorne and then Chris Fagan's more measured just frustration at being denied any sort of due yep. process in the... the in, endless investigation that seems to be making precious little ground. Yeah, it's, uh, look, I felt for uh, and empathised with uh, both the coaches, and uh, we haven't heard from Jason Burt, so, but I assume he uh, would be thinking exactly the same thing. It's just gone on too long. It was, it was at the time, it was uh, legal people I know suggested it's, it would follow the path that it's followed, and it's going to end up uh, with, with no result. And if that means you end up in court, well then, Ultimately, it may get to a result. But as far as the AFL is concerned, uh, it's, it's, things are going to have to change a hell of a lot to get uh, 
those guys into a room for mediation. I mean, certainly the the other parties, the agreed parties, uh, are going to have to change their tune based on what we've seen in the media. But, I mean, in some ways I didn't blame Clarko and, uh, for being aggrieved with things being leaked by somebody who's running the, the process. Now, he may, I'd like to hear again from him, but uh, that's how I read it, that, you know, this is a very silent and very uh, uh, quiet and secretive affair. Everything has been in-house, and yet all of a sudden stuff is getting, uh, not leaked out, but certainly became publicised. Yeah, without... How did you see it? Yeah, I... So it's dawned on me maybe the last three weeks just there, there has been no just process no. associated with this and it's been, I know nothing more than what's been in the public domain but the the lack of progress made across seven months by that mm. group, the independent panel, is it's not acceptable. Uh, and the, the issues of justice is if you are going to answer to accusations, you're entitled to know what they what are. They are yeah. But it seems sort of stitched into this that, well, no, there's a level of secret. We're not prepared to provide you with enough information for you to be able to defend yourself. I, I can't. So justice might be blind, but you can't be blind walking into the judicial process of this. No, and that's why I think uh, you know most people have got great sympathy for uh, those that have been named that have got uh, no defence, no uh, capacity to answer the challenge right now, and uh, we're seven months in, and their lives have been uh, their lives have been rocked in many ways. Yeah. So, and what sort of outcome is like you have to get a um, an outcome that represents some level of justice? Yeah. Uh, for those who were asked to tell their story and did, for those who have been accused publicly from day one and gone through the reputational damage. But then how on earth do you find a football outcome to marry up with that? I think the whole thing is it's almost impossible to get a reasonable outcome. I mean, this thing started with leaking, leaking, I should say. Mediation depends on... uh, Everybody signing documents that there will be no leaking and yet uh, already we've seen uh, too many leaks. So, you know, are you trusting? Are you going to be trusting going into that mediation process? Yeah, you're going to be highly suspicious of whatever process that you're caught up in. And then what what the AFL... I think the AFL's instincts at the start Mm. were right to establish something independent, particularly with the... that would hold faith with the Indigenous community. But I think seven months down the track, they must look at it and go, no, we did the wrong thing there. It would have been much better to investigate through our own powers with whatever levels of cooperation we could manage. But at least they would have been able to drive it Mm. forward. What what do you think of the original concept that Hawthorne put in place? I I, uh, I read the transcript of um, the 3AW interview last night with Jeff Kennett. and It's hard to believe it wasn't flawed. And yet, um, at the same time, I think they were honourable in what they were trying to achieve, just getting a feel for, have we got a problem? And they, in, in many ways, were let down because of the leaking to the ABC. Yeah, so I think it didn't have guardrails in place. That's the problem. Uh, and yeah. that, was a, that, that has um, ricocheted on them badly. Yeah. Probably needed a lawyer involved yeah. and from the And then they go. didn't know what to do with it. Mm. I don't think we've heard the full story of when they first saw it yep. and what they did or didn't do in that moment. I don't think we've satisfactorily heard that and the timelines properly. But I don't think Hawthorne had any idea what to do with it when it landed with them initially. Yep. 
Uh, so our games in the round, uh, I'll just walk you through the, the Sunday teams because, Dwayne, you were telling me that uh, Toby Green's not going to be there for the Giants on Mother's Day, which is such a shame. It is, absolutely. It's a shame. And it's a ripper game. It's the final game of what's going to be a fantastic round. So, yeah, he's not in. And it is an interesting time of the year now. If you think you're playing finals, you don't risk guys at this time of year. So Patrick Dangerfield might take a, a longer time to come back in. But the Giants are almost playing to keep their season alive right now. So uh, they've weighed up the risk and reward and decided not to take the risk. Dwayne's already worded me up to uh, focus on the smothering so he can uh, give us back yep. the line of the year from uh, last weekend. So it's only been used on radio. only been used I haven't checked, but uh, yes, I think Smothers Day will get a run at some stage during the weekend. <laughs> so, but it'll be, everyone will be ready for it now, so it won't have any weight at all. In Fleeton, out Ward, who was the sub, and Cumming, who is injured, and so no Toby Green. Out for the Pies is Billy Frampton. And the earlier game on Mother's Day is Adelaide and St Kilda, where Patrick Parnell is in for the Crows. Matt Crouch was the sub. Nick Murray is injured. Anthony Caminiti is able to resume after his suspension. Jack Bytel was the sub, and Jade Gresham is injured. That, that, that's a terrific game. It's a ripper game. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I don't think uh, Caminiti has played in a loss just yet, uh, so he could be the magical... Man, I mean, everyone's talking about Max King, but it could be Caminiti that comes sliding in underneath him. And obviously Max King's still away with injury, so yep. not coming back into that side. But, I mean, the Saints have been in, in really good form of late. And, and, I mean, Adelaide coming off the back of a loss last week against the Cats. Who are you tipping, Ellie? Well, technically growing up, I'm a St Kilda supporter. Okay. So, so was I. So I'm going to stick with the Saints for this one, I reckon. But, I mean, it's tough over in Adelaide, but... I reckon they might get it done. Your era was better as a barracker for the Saints than Jared's, though, wasn't it? Uh, you had a pretty good era where you got so close. So close is probably the, the key word in there. It's still heartbreak um, for it. I went to all of the grand finals and sat there in silence on the draw. So I live in a, a household of Collingwood supporters, so it was actually Ooh, hell, to be honest. Yeah, so. And wash your mouth out, Dwayne. I was five when the Saints won their first premiership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm but not I sure whose version of hell. Finishing wooden spoon is quite a bit when you were backing for them, Jared. Yeah, I'm not do. sure whose version of hell's worse. And the other game tonight, so West Coast and Gold Coast, which uh, will begin in the second half of this and we'll take you to the, the full second half, is there aren't many winnable games left for West Coast. I don't know whether tonight is winnable or not. Well, we're um, going to find out a bit about the Gold Coast because it shouldn't be winnable. I mean, their first half last week was quite competitive, so they're, they're going to have to be in for a challenge, the Suns. But, uh, gee, if they can't get the job done after pushing Melbourne to a kick, then... Uh, you know they're still a wobbly team, and uh, they, they need to they need to just bite down on this one and uh, you know kick a ten goal winning score. Yeah, I agree, and, and and in the form of Noah Anderson as well. I mean, he's an he's a gun up um, in the midfield, and yep. and you've got King up forward as well for the Suns. So you got players like that with the likes that are, are hitting some really good form in their careers, um, and and I assume they should go over and and have a strong win tonight. I, I was sampling the local stuff in Perth just to get a feel for where are they with West Coast. And the back page of the West Australian on Wednesday, I reckon, was written from the Facebook and Twitter responses from fans. You go, all right. So we can't get any um, authoritative voices, shall we say. So let's pick out the eight most feral fans and write their thoughts on the back page. So that's a pretty nasty environment. And if they do go under to West uh, to Gold Coast, yep. just given how fans perceive Gold Coast, regardless of yep. how they're coming good, I can only imagine how 
how that gets more infernal. We spoke to Peter Simich uh, during the week and uh, he came up with a very creative idea of uh, dropping the sub uh, and dropping um, a Darling. So he's only had a few possessions in, in recent times, uh, Darling. So he's there. There's, it's not far. It's not hard to find somebody who, you know, is is fairly critical of the West Coast. But they're in the position they're in. I mean, it's a win loss industry, and they they've had three really average years now. And it's not going to be an easy rebuild. This is this is going to be a drawn out rebuild. They've got a couple of positives coming through. One of them, the most obvious one, is Oscar Allen. Um, but they are difficult to see them rising rapidly. Our main fair Friday night footy is coming up next. It's Geelong and Richmond. We will take you through the preview, set you up for it. The two teams are unchanged. The preview with Jared Healy and Ali Blackburn is coming up next on our pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers.